All right, ladies and gentlemen, I want to welcome you to a brand new episode of SCAR. And SCAR stands for Seeking Courage and Redemption with Dustin Rivenbark. And we are so glad to have you tuning in with us today. Before we get to our amazing podcast today with our amazing guest, I want to give you sort of the intent of the podcast, kind of the why are we here, so to speak. And we're here to work out our hardships, our issues, our tribulations in such a way that we can begin to unfold God's plan and purpose for our lives. But you may be tuned in and saying, but Dustin, why do I need to listen to Scar? And the truth is, guys, we all have stuff. We all have issues. We all have hardships and things that can begin to accumulate in our lives and even change the trajectory of our lives. So now, with that being said, that's why you need to be tuned in to SCAR because this is a safe place that we can come together and share our victories, our defeats, and all of that and help each other to grow in this thing called life. Now, with all of that being said, I want to introduce you to my new friend and great guest, Miss uh, Dr. Roseanne Kapana Hodge. Please say hello, Dr. Roseanne. Well, so nice to have this conversation with you, Dustin, and I hope that everybody listening who you know might be struggling right now or you know loves somebody who's struggling gets a lot of um, great information that will help inspire them and, and give them hope for change. Yes, and so now according um, to a lot of the media and all of that, that that I have been able to look at, the kind of the behind the scenes on you, you are really doing some big things in the mental health work uh, as a psychologist, as a counselor, um, even author. Um, yeah. you, you are the founder and director of the Global Institute of Children's Mental Health. Um, tell me a little bit about that, Dr. Roseanne. Just kind of introduce yourself to us. Yeah. So, you know, this is my 30th year in mental health, and I have had the privilege of really helping thousands of people reduce and reverse, you know, mental health symptoms associated with, you know, things like we all experience, stress and anxiety, to big things like, you know, feelings of suicide and kids with pans and pandas or autism and, you know, sort of everything in between. And, and I've only used science-backed uh, therapies that are happen to be natural in yeah. these 30 years to help people. And so, you know, I do all of this media because I really am on a mission to change the way we view and treat children's mental health. And, you know, just before the pandemic, I was feeling like I just really have to step up my game. I have to even do more. And I founded in January 2020 the Global Institute of Children's Mental Health wow. um, so that I could, you know, create programs. And um, we, we've made some books. Like I have a book that just came out last week called It's Gonna Be Okay, Proven Ways um, to Improve Your Child's Mental Health. And it's really just sharing my 30 years worth of work and shows you the step-by-step -step way to create that change. Um, because we're not really having a dialogue, Dustin, about 
what can parents do? What can people do to improve their mental health? We often talk about the grim statistics or how bad things are, which I think people, it's important to talk about what these things look like. What does anxiety look like? What does OCD look like? People still don't know what it looks like, but we also need to give people actionable tools. And so that's really why I do what I do is I want people to really see themselves getting better and, and, really create this conversation about actually how to do that. I love that. So tell me just a little bit, why mental health, okay? Like right now, um, I can absolutely see why someone would want to be in the mental health field when we're coming off the pandemic, when all of these things, uh, we see kind of uh, chaos around every corner. But Dr. Roseanne, you've been in this for over 30 years. So, So 30 years ago, what made you... kind of go down that trail and blaze that trail? What made you decide, hey, mental health is my avenue? Well, I'm actually going to tell you (laughs) um, that it started when I was five. So I um, had a calling. Um, So I have a very vivid memory. I'm super lucky. My mom, Philomena, has one of those kind of memories that she can actually almost recall things by the day. Um, she, she's pretty unbelievable, my yeah. mom. Don't don't mess with her when your mother tells you, oh, no, you did this and that. And I'm like, okay, because she knows. You just so, take it. Um, <laughs> so when I was five, my mom's friend Angela actually asked me what I wanted to be when I grew up. And I had no experience or exposure to mental health. Um, I'm the daughter of Italian immigrants who who were business people and I said psychiatrist and so it really for me was a divine download that that's what I wanted that's what I needed to do and so over time I realized that a psychiatrist mostly prescribes medication and that's not what I wanted I really wanted to help people and talk to people because of course I was always that friend that you know talked common sense to people and helped people out and did all that kind of stuff and so then I went into you know undergraduate and I was like this is what I want to do and I started working with kids and I was working with kids who had were in low low income area had a lot of things in their life that weren't going their way like they might not have had a dad or you know, they, they were living in poverty, like just a lot of strikes against them, right? Yes. And what I found was that with a little bit of time for me, um, mentoring these kids, that I could have a massive impact on their life. Like, I wow. was shocked by this. And I was like, I've got to work with kids. I've got to work with kids. Plus, I love kids. I have a, I'm very playful, and I love to have fun. And, um, so is my husband and my family, my boys and kids are fun. Yeah, they are. They They are. are. I I have a 12 year old. Yeah, I have, I have a 12 and a three and my, my, my profession is, uh, is youth pastor when I'm not doing podcasts or writing or something like that. My full time, uh, uh, um, uh, joy is, is youth pastor and I love, um, students and and I just love um, the younger generation because that just what you said they're yeah. so fun and that they're they're at their most vulnerable stage and you can yeah. teach them so much. They don't know that they shouldn't 
learn something. They right. don't know that they can't do something. They are so open. Um, and I love kids, too, because they're also real. Like, yes. they will say things unfiltered and, <sighs> you know, and I just appreciate them so much. And, you know, not that I don't support adults, too, but for me, kids are struggling in, in mental health so much. This is, this is where, you know, what I want to do is really my calling and, um, you know, there's just so many positives about supporting kids and families. And, you know, parents are very invested in creating success for their kids, yes. right? I have this community called Raising Successful Kids Community. And it doesn't matter where your kid is at, whether your kid might be struggling for the first time or you just want to be a better parent or you have kids with serious mental health issues or serious struggles. I am the mom of two kids with special needs, one child with dyslexia and another with very serious mental health issues that resulted from something called pans and pandas, but from tick-borne infection. And so he's doing great, but it's not an easy road. And, yeah. and, you know, we all want community and support and we want trusted guidance. And so that's part of what I've been doing. And, and some people want more support, whether that's they want to be part of the community or they want to work one-on-one -on -one with me or they want to buy my book or they just want to follow me on social. Yeah. I just want to put information out for people. You know, the people that are listening right here, it, it's really about understanding that, you know, little waves create big waves. And we have to do the work on the daily. And our kids are so much better for it when we take those little micro moments for teaching because parenting isn't punishment. Parenting is disciplining too, but it's teaching. That's what parenting is all about. And we're, our job is to cultivate these like amazing, um, resilient, confident kids. Yeah, you know, yeah. that's what our job is. And they need to be independent to make choices, right? In, in everyday situations, but in big situations too. That's when we do a great job as a parent is we create a kid who knows themselves, right? Right, and right. And that's where success comes from. You know, when you really, really create this confidence and it, and it doesn't mean your kid is a straight A student and has, you know, is a confident person. You can have mental health issues and be a straight A student. You know, we use grades as a benchmark for mental health, but resilience and that confidence comes from within and it can come in many different shapes and forms. And so sometimes people are surprised that their child, people are seeing it right now in the pandemic that they might have a straight A student, but their kid is riddled with anxiety or um, is withdrawn, but still able to get their schoolwork in. So I, I want to ask you a question. So sure. when we, first of all, I commend you for your life's mission. Okay. I want to, I want to talk about, I just want to give you your, uh, um, uh, just kind of honor you for what you're doing here because I, I just, I tell you, um, Mental health is so vital. It's it's of course it's it's so important, and I also think it's so underrated. I think there's there's so many people um, who who refuse to look at mental health or study mental health or whatever, whether they think it's a sign of weakness or whether they just w are not informed about it. What whatever it may be, but I love that you called it a divine download when you were young. Um, that I, I, I'm a firm believer that we're all called uh, here for a purpose and we all have a plan and a purpose for our lives. And it sounds like to me that, that you are um, uh, 
uh, headed down down uh, your path and your purpose, and I love that. And so, I want to dive into this mental uh, mental health realm a little bit before we kind of tack into what uh, mental health really is or 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 looks like or or any of that. Tell us what can happen. What are some of the side effects if if these mental health problems go unchecked, why, yeah. why, why is this so important? Yeah. So first of all, you know, thank you for saying that, you know, there's so many reasons why people maybe don't even recognize they're struggling in some way or they have a resistance to it, or there's just so many reasons why. But I think ultimately sometimes people don't see the symptoms in their kids or themselves and that's why we're having this conversation. But it's so important for people to realize that if you don't have good mental health, you have nothing. Mm. And it doesn't matter what street you live on. It doesn't matter what school your kids are going to. Or, you know, if you're not having that internal happiness or your kids don't have that, right, um, they're not going to succeed. You're not going to get to be your best self. And that best self is when I mean succeed, I mean in life. Yeah. I mean be a people that people just have a joy to see. I mean be the, be the kind of kid that, you know, have a kid that, um, you know, the neighbors are like, that is the nicest darn kid I've ever met. Yeah. yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, those are the kind of things that fill your cup. Those are the kind of things that make you the best boss ever and you know you're you're have a great marriage and all those other things and it's those little moments that really create this person that knows themselves and and you can be 81 and listening and you can find that within yourself too no matter what story you've been told or or all the hardships that you've had right it all starts from within so Mm. you know why why do why do um people you know struggle what does it look like so first of all for most people including kids it shows up in the body it shows up as a somatic issue so what does that mean that's Roseanne using big fancy words it means that you're gonna have digestive problems okay your stomach's gonna hurt you might vomit you could have sleep problems you could have high blood pressure you could be sweating profusely you might have chronic pain This is where stress, anxiety, depression, OCD, this is how it shows up, right? And then you're going to see things like if it's chronic long-term, right? You're going to see a clinical issue. You're going to see a physical issue. There's no way around it. But let's say your kid or you are struggling right now in this pandemic, right? You might see a change. You might be irritable when you were super pleasant. You might be fearful when you were somebody who was fearless Mm. and you want to look for those changes sometimes they're sudden most of the time they are gradual Mm -hmm. you you start a slip right and then the next thing you know you are you know you're just really feel stuck like i talk a lot about being stuck right and so that might mean you're feeling stuck in one of these unpleasant emotions or you're now stuck in in a period of having friction with your wife, yes. with your boss, yes. with your kids, right? 
because it's going to show up someplace. Uh-huh. You, you can't, right? And the other fallacy, too, Justin, is that people think when you are struggling with clinical issues, anxiety, depression, OCD, those are our three biggest ones, and there's different kinds of anxiety, including social anxiety, um, that it means you're non-functional. I'm here to tell you it's the reverse. Okay. With one in six people in America pre-pandemic on a psych bed, this means people have clinical issues and they are functioning. The question is, where does that lack of functionality show up? So I always say we shouldn't use grades as a benchmark for kids because many kids will put all their effort and their parents will put all their efforts around these grades. Yeah. And so you might have a straight-A student the kid with serious sleep problems or he has no friends or he is afraid of taking a risk right and and the same thing with an adult like they might be a perfect employee but they're they're snapping and yelling at their spouse and their kids right so it's going to show up in some way some people literally are completely shut down in all areas of their life but that's not as typical in mental health the 80% 80% of people or more are living, quote-unquote, a functional life. It just might be in one or more areas it's not well. But you can be functioning well on the surface. Where do you feel addiction plays into all of this? Well, you know, here's here's the reality of stress and trauma, right? And so many people experience physical, you know, sexual abuse, neglect, and also have other traumatic events like, you know, car accidents, deaths, um, scary things happening to them, medical trauma. These leave an imprint on our subconscious. So where does addiction play? So ultimately, in the end, regardless of what age you are, we have healthy coping mechanisms and unhealthy coping mechanisms. Right. Okay. And a large part of how we develop coping mechanisms is how our parents parented and managed stress, okay? Now, you get to, because it's in your subconscious. Now, please know that does not define you, right? Right. Because we meet people every day who live through horrible things, and they have good, healthy coping mechanisms because they have an awareness, and they said, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to find a healthier way. Yeah. So how does addiction play into this? You know, when you're struggling and people find substances and they, at that subconscious level, they're like, well, I feel good, right? And addiction can show up in drugs and alcohol. It can show up in emotional eating. It can show up in gambling. It can show up in other ways that we just don't think of, right? Um, and so it's really about finding, you know, just habituating yourself, creating a habit. I mean, not to simplify it, we're talking a deep neurological habit. This is something that's going to take work to reverse and and really get control of. And, and you know, I've worked with addicts overall in these years and stuff like that, and they, of course, have to want to stop it and then find a replacement for it. But addiction is incredibly common. It can happen to anybody. It knows no difference between race, income, age, and it it is a crippling disease. You know, it it is really, you know, and it is also very common. It's part of why they didn't shut down uh, 
liquor stores in the pandemic. Do you, do you know why, Dustin? Uh, absolutely, and that is you are you are yeah. hitting a home run right here. Right. Yeah, because they couldn't handle uh, people detoxing yes. and getting them in the hospitals. That's why they couldn't shut down liquor stores. You know that is yeah. so powerful. Like, I, I just I don't even know where to start to unpack that. You know that is. Um, uh, you, you know, I don't know that I ever really put that together, um, uh, during, during the pandemic. I did see, and I thought it was crazy, but now that you say that, like, I, I mean, yeah. it makes, it makes perfect sense. And so right. as one who addiction is near and dear to my heart, um, I just wanted to kind of get your professional, uh, opinion as to where that kind of plays in and, and where that all stems from in regards to our mental health. And I think you knocked that one um, out of the park. And so with the liquor stores and all of that as well, um, it's just a powerful testimony of where we are right now in, in society. I want to ask you another question that I don't think gets brought up much. I never hear anything about it. Uh, where do you think, what do you think technology is doing uh, in regards to mental health? Do you see any, do you see any connection in your professional experience with the rapid advancement, the the everything we wanted, the push of a button society? What is it doing to our younger generation as well as our older generation? Do you see anything there? Yeah, and there's actually research about it. So. Um, from from the techno- technology impact us, the overuse of technology, right? Yeah. So, I mean, listen, you know, I, I was born in the 70s. You know, I got to be around the advent of the personal computers. I was the first person to in my dissertation um, in 1999 to do a PowerPoint presentation. <laughs> you know, yeah, like, yeah. there's been some cool things. And I love the internet. I right. love Google searching. I mean, it's incredible, right? Sure. So um, there's a lot of beautiful things. But we have to talk about overuse, right? And so number one. What is it replacing, right? It's replacing people getting off their tuchuses yep. and being physically active, connecting, right, and doing other things that are more hands-on, yes. right? So so it's taken the place of things that are healthier, right? So we do it in addition to there's nothing wrong with it, but kids spending five, six, seven, eight hours is a lot, yes. right? And so that's a problem. And then there's the physical ramifications of like what we call tech neck. My girlfriend, Dr. Krista Burns, always talks about digital dementia yes. and how this is creating, um, you know, we're, we're, we're losing oxygen flow to the frontal lobes and that impacts how our brain works. And then people are getting crabbier and then there's the blue light exposure. There's yep. so many components of that. But also what we know through research, and if this makes people feel any better, and this is focused on teens, but let's extrapolate this to adults because I'm sure it's the same. So, the quality of what you're doing makes a difference in terms of your mental health. So we know that if you're doing more passive things on the internet, like scrolling, YouTubing, that you are more likely to have anxiety and depression. 
Okay. However, on the flip side, the more socially interactive you are with technology, so you're doing like a kid, you're chatting on Discord or you're FaceTiming or you're an adult and you're Zooming and FaceTiming, you're actually going to have improved mental health. Yeah. So there's got to be an interactive social component. Um, but, you know, we are an evolutionary place, right? Just like I said, you know, I remember being in the fourth grade and us sitting around a single computer because we had like four in the computer room right? and watching that, right? And just, and just being so different, right? I was there when it was floppy disks for crying out loud. Yeah, yeah. So, right? And so we, we are evolving. We Every generation thinks, oh my gosh, when it was my time, we did this, and kids are missing out, and whatnot. And, you know, kids get to do cool things we didn't get to do. That's right, right exactly. But I think the biggest part about technology and the concern that I have is that, you know, it is used as a way to track people, is used as a way to bully or harass people, and, you know, I just had personally had some recent experiences with harassment related to technology, um, and, you know, this is what, what people are choosing to do. And, and also, I've had amazing people reach out to me and send me beautiful emails that they read an article or heard me on a podcast. So they're able to use technology to connect and share something lovely, too. So I always try to think about things in positive ways, but it is definitely a strain on kids. I mean, I'm super upfront. If I had my teenage years documented like these kids do on Instagram and stuff like that, I would be in big trouble. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. I don't even want to think about that. I tell people all the time, especially students of mine, uh, doctor, I tell them all the time, like, mm-hmm. Praise God, okay? I was not in this generation. And so, um, yes. I was having a good old time. Yes. Yes. Um, now, go ahead. You know, this is is hard. They're they're doing things, you know? Now, when I hire an employee, Dustin, I go back and look at their social feeds. And I go back and look a long time. I'll scroll and scroll for years. Like, is this a person that has a character that I want working with me? You know, you know, I'm so, so glad you brought that up um, yeah. because I was just watching. Uh, let's just take I'm going to take a TV show my wife and I like to watch. It's fun. Uh, we watch American Idol. All right. And so we were Such watching. Yeah, we mm-hmm. were watching American Idol. They're down to the top four or whatever. Well, one of them had been um, uh, basically uh, he left the show. Um, um, it, he was part of the top five and he left the show and just doing some research on, on why, why he left. Basically, he wasn't going to be able to win because a video surfaced from a long time ago where he was, uh, in a very, um, not good situation. Let's just leave. He was, uh, it, it put him, uh, some, some racial, uh, things were 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 in the video, and this has now altered this kid's career forever. And so, I'm just I'm always on students and kids, and even adults as uh, leaders, as as um, uh, trying to climb the corporate ladder. All of that. Absolutely. Be be careful what you're putting out there. Is your content. Uh, or your things are they building people up or tearing people down? There's there's just no so no well neutral said. ground anymore. No, there's not. And 
you know, here's the thing. This is a part of this. This is your character, right, is going to be evident, right? Yeah. Um, and so you do have to watch what you what you do. Like, you know, we were at a different time. You could have words with people. You could send a note to somebody because that's what we used to do. We used to send notes, right? Mm-hmm. And then, or God you know, forbid was, we had to talk to them to their face. You oh, know? my gosh. Absolutely. <laughs> and so there, you call from me on the phone, too. Remember that? Yeah, so, yeah. Now we, you know, you, you, people have a trace of that. I don't think we should be afraid to talk to people, um, but you do have to be careful. And, and you know what? I mean, and there are people, I mean, why did this guy, you know, have hate speech? Yeah. Probably 80% he grew up in a home where that was what the culture was. Mm -hmm. So, Mm -hmm. um, regardless of the way you're raised, you can always Break, break free. So, you know, our parents do the best that they possibly can, even if you had terrible parents, like parents that were abusive. You can take moments and recall those pleasant moments, even if there was just a few of them, and you can then take what you didn't like and say, this is what I'm going to change, right? And so, you know, this is tying back to, you know, what are we putting down? I mean, people, you're right, adults, we need to be very careful and mindful about what we say to people. I know, you know, I recently just did this amazing summit called the Get Unstuck Parenting Summit. I mean, it was beautiful. We, we had the best speakers. It was really to inspire hope for healing about whatever's going on with your kids. And the first hour it ran, okay, somebody went out of their way to send me an email that was like, this is such a disappointing summit. How dare you not have audio files? Oh, my goodness. And I was like, this is a free summit. And I was like, oh, okay, well, thank you. So now here's the great thing. Here's the great thing. About 10 other people went out of their way to send me, to tag me on social or send me an email that was like, I loved X, Y, and Z. Thank you so much. So I'm not going to hold this person, this first person. But I thought, really? Like, it wasn't even like, oh, my gosh, I'm really enjoying this summit. I wow. consider this for the next time. Would you ever consider having audio files available? Thank yeah. you for taking the time to do that. Right? So just think about how you say things, people. Because yes. we're in a time where people are viperish. They're viperish and, and this cancel culture we're in, man, uh, oh. is just if, if they don't like it, um, they're done with you for life. You're just yeah. the worst. And so, um, yeah, be careful what you say out there. And so I love that. I want to ask you, um, shift just a little bit. What does, sure. what does mental health, um, I guess, treatment look like? Um, f- how does it differ between a child and, and an adult? What does the treatments uh, how do the treatments, first of all, how do they look, and, and how do they differ? Yeah. Well, first of all, I believe the treatment is very much the same for both, which is not what you're going to get is a standard answer yeah. for most people, okay? Mm-hmm. So, first of all, we are very heavily dictated in a medical mar- model that only pharma, that only psychiatric medications are the best way to treat things okay so there's a lot of money behind that there's a lot of misinformation behind that and there's really a lot of lack of training by key people who are who are giving advice about mental health general practitioners and pediatricians in particular 
Okay. Okay. And and also mental health providers. They are buying into that everything is biochemical, right? Right. So let's just change what we know about mental health. So genetics don't define you, and not everything is biochemical. And I'm going to tell you that there's more likely to be a cause of mental health is chronic long-term stress, inflammation, and there's lots of reasons why we have inflammation. I dive all into this in my book. It's going to be okay. And and events, things that are stressors, like a something happened, a bullying incident, uh, a grandparent death, a uh, 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 you know, a divorce, number one most stressful thing in the world, a divorce. So we have to stop believing a pill is going to fix things, yes. number one. So I take in mental health, and what we typically do is we do a top-down approach. We start with talk therapy, even though our nervous system is hyper-stress activated, and we know from from science that you're, you can't access your frontal lobes properly, which means your whole brain's not going to work the way it should when you're hyper stress activated. We ignore science, okay? Okay. And so I take a bottoms down approach, right? So a bottoms up approach. So what I do is we start with the body. So whether you're an adult or you're a kid, the basis of everything starts with regulating the nervous system. Okay. So there's lots of ways to do that. And that's where you get the differences in kids right, versus adults. But many of those things are overlap. So number one, it starts with breath work. If we're breathing out of our chest and not out of our belly, we cannot regulate our nervous system. So we have to change that breath pattern so that it can regulate, number one. That's so important. And people, like, hopefully are listening and are like, oh, that just makes common sense. I mean, why I get so much people get so much better when they work with me is I use science right? and we combine it with common sense, but you explain things to people like I'll have a two year old and I'll explain the brain to them as I would in it, but in a more developmentally appropriate way to that I would an 80 year old. You've got to explain things to people. It's all about harnessing the nervous system. And so then you come in with interventions, whether that's biofeedback, neurofeedback, specific types of psychotherapy that teach you to connect to your body. Like, somatic experiencing or EFT tapping. These are ways to reconnect. Once you reconnect to the body and you learn to regulate the nervous system, you then can do talk therapy. And you know, you see in this paradigm, there's not a lot of room. There's not a necessity for medication. So people go on meds and they don't realize they have to actually change their actions. They have to change their behaviors. If you're on meds and you're not reconnecting your body, you're not really hacking into the brain to really get better. You're just band-aiding it. So let me um, let me pause right here. So basically yeah. what I'm hearing, you start with breathing exercises, stuff that just sort of regulates posture, blood flow, stuff that, that regulates um, um, uh, breathing, oxygen, all of that stuff yeah. in order to prepare your brain and your body's way of of basically receiving talk therapy is that is that what i'm hearing yeah and and more specifically the breath work what it does is we have a system that manages stress in our body it's called autonomic nervous system right your ans right controls how your body responds to stress okay and when we're stressed we're in a sympathetic dominant state and when we're relaxed we are in what's called the parasympathetic dominant state. I call it the hot tub state, right? Okay. 
But the problem is once we're getting constant stress, constant stress, constant stress, we start edging up into the stress out sympathetic dominant state. Once you're there, you just don't have wiggle room. And so that means you're already kind of at maximum capacity. A stressor happens, boom, you go offline. And people have a history of trauma, um, neglect. They're always going to be in this sympathetic dominant state unless they do things to regulate, right? So prayer is one thing to regulate, yoga, neurofeedback, biofeedback, breath work. There's lots of things. And when we're in this more relaxed straight state, we simply can deal with life stressors. But you can't just, you know, take a pill. You have to learn how to use healthy tools. Right. Just like I said, these coping mechanisms, these strategies, you have to have resources to keep you in this lower stress state. And if there's a time in this world, Dustin, where you can see who, who had resources and who didn't. Oh, it's this pandemic. Yeah. I yeah. mean, you know, some people, the routine and structure sort of kept them together. It was their glue. And without that, they fell apart. Right. Um, and, and some people had history of, you know, stress or trauma or mental health issues. And some people didn't. Mm. And people were hit in different ways. Um, and, and some people use this time to recalibrate. And, you know, you can't even get into a therapy appointment. I mean, right. therapists are full. You know, so it is a really, it's, it's really exactly what you said. Calm that nervous system down, pair it with new learning. That is the basis of my work. And it's based on neuroscience. Like, I'm like, what works in the brain? That's how we should train people. That's how we have to hack in to have better mental health. I, I, um, I want to ask you, I want to ask you this. Sorry to cut in. Yeah. Um, I, you mentioned prayer a little while ago as yeah. as part of um, as part of your healthy cope, coping mechanisms. Uh, why why did you say that? Why why prayer and and what does uh, what does prayer to do to you mentally, physically, and yeah. all of that? Well, there's first of all, you know, prayer has a meditative quality, right? Mm-hmm. So anytime we really create a space for prayer. Right? Like I often do some prayer in the morning. I, I have a ritual around it. I love to do my candles. Um, and um, I like to do a couple other little things. Yeah, so we're yeah. creating a space and we're most prayer is very positively oriented. I know I do a lot of praying for others. Okay. Um, especially when others do me wrong. I like to pray for them. Wow. Right? Yeah. You know, um, and ask that they, they, they get their healing because I can't do anything for that. Right? Like, I can only pray for them. Right? Sure. We can only control ourselves. So there's, it's a very empowering, positive thing. And then we're creating time and space around a positive ritual. Right? Mm. So there's so many parts of what it does so we know that it can regulate the nervous system because we are creating that meditative activity that's positively oriented it's going to help us get into that more that calmer parasympathetic state um and also from a mental perspective right we we you know it took me a long time an evolutionary process i remember the first time somebody asked me to pray for somebody that did me wrong and I'm so Italian, I'm so loyal, and I was like, what do you mean I'm yeah. praying that somebody did me wrong? Right. But then I, then I understood the power of that, oh, right? Yes. And, and how healing it was for me. I'm not, I'm not saying that I forgot, 
but I was able to get in there and be like, wow, something is that person. These issues are never your issue in, in most of the times. And, and these are issues when you have co- high conflict, we should always look at ourselves yeah. and say, what was my role in that? Of course. Um, but when we know something happened to somebody, right? Like I had people in my life in the pandemic that became different people. And no matter how much I try to resolve the conflicts, there was such an inner turmoil in them that all I could do was let them go and pray for them, yes. right? It had nothing to do with me in, in, in it, some of these circumstances. So that is so healing, right? So it's a matter of healing. And then when we do prayer, right, you know, and we're grateful for the experience, you know, as terrible as some of these things are, there's always a gratitude that comes because I know that that's what's supposed to happen and what's my lesson. I always say, what's my lesson? Thank you. What are you trying to teach me? When we have gratitude in our heart, there is no room for fear. And that is such a change in who you are, right? So you build up this, this, for me, it's about repelling stress, right? So if you, you pray and you have gratitude, you can't be hangry. There's right. no there's no room in there. And angry is like, oh, God, it's like a, you know, it's like a mud. It's like, yeah. you know, you sink in there and, um, and it's, it's a normal emotion. But it's not one when you want to stay because you are the one who gets damaged from that. See, I I love this talk here. I, I don't think there's um I don't think there's enough of it out there. And and I just the reason like of course we all know prayer is not the least we can do. It's the most we can do. And right. you know uh, f- let if I'm speaking from a spiritual standpoint, okay, as um one in ministry, ultimately I know that prayer for me is being connected to uh, the Father, being connected to the creator of the universe and all of that. And so I know how powerful that is, but I think it's so important to hear about it from a science standpoint as well, yeah. from a from a counselor, a, a psychological standpoint as well, what it's doing in the body, to the soul, to our to our organs, how it's causing this uh, 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 meditative state, and and all of that is so imperative that we understand the benefits. And you said when you're grateful in your heart, there's no room for fear. I, I that registered with me so much because. Uh, we know that ultimately God does not give us a spirit of fear. So if it's there, it's not of God. And it makes us want to look at our lives and say, okay, where is this problem? Because ultimately we have a grateful blockage somewhere. And so we have to, we have to find out where that is, you know, and, and that's where I think professionals like yourself really can come into play and really help and really help shape and mold our mental health, our, our, uh, um, I guess maybe our offset, uh, where, uh, Dr. Roseanne, who do you, in your opinion, who needs to see a professional? Well, how do we know what's that check that says we need to go talk to someone where, where, where does that come into play? I think anytime you feel stuck and you feel that I'm not sure what action to take, that's when you should get help. 
right? And I can say that nobody ever regrets getting help. They only regret when they don't. I mean, I am with people every day who regret not getting help. And I'm always like, listen, honey, this is the time you're supposed to be here. Okay. Maybe five years ago, you wouldn't have been able to take action. So let's, let's let that go. And this is where you're supposed to be at the right time. But, you know, it's easy to connect the dots looking backwards, right? And so that's why I talk a lot about the ways people show stress. It's, it's changes in behaviors. It's in their body. It's these somatic complaints. It's sleep problems. That's where these chronic stressors show up. And, you know, for parents, who couldn't benefit from a little parent coaching, right? It's part of why I made this community. Like, I'm like, here. You know, for less than a dollar a day, you get this course and a community and you're able to be part of something and get information. Can't afford that? Well, you can buy a book for less than $20. Sure. You can't afford that? You can follow me on Facebook and like and comment on my posts so you can get them. (laughs) Right. (laughs) That's another thing on Facebook. Yes, yes. You know, get in there and and look in there because there's valuable nuggets. Like, you are in charge of your own mental health and your kids' mental health, right? Right. And so, you know, so anytime you're unsure, get help. Like, it's, it's therapy. A good therapist isn't like, here, come sit on this couch and talk about my, your mother. Good therapy is like, what's going on? What do you want to see be different? Let me help you work on an action plan to create some change, right? Yeah. Um, and change is scary for people, but change does not have to be overnight. It really is a lot of small steps. I mean, we also are a culture where we expect everything overnight, which is yes. why people gravitate towards pills, and pills most of the time don't fix it. Yes. Um, and they only sort of delay the inevitable. But it's really these little micro steps. And I think when people see that, they're like, wow, okay, I, I can ch- make some changes. I'm uh, My kid and I are in conflict a lot. You know, okay, he's disrespectful. Wait a second. How are you teaching him? Yeah. Let's change that conversation. Let's talk about different ways that you can tweak what you're saying. Not, not abandon everything, but tweak so that they can hear you differently because maybe your kid is just not hearing you. And so it's it's making that like an awareness, right? I think once we recognize there's a problem, we don't blame and shame others, right? Even if somebody does, like some things happened to me in the last year where people did me wrong. Yeah. Like there's a couple things where I'm like, it's going to take, I did doing a lot of prayer on it and, uh-huh. and it's going to take me, uh, one person hurt me so bad, it's literally going to take me a lifetime to get over it. But I can't live there. You can grieve it. And you have to be like, okay, right? Once I'm like, you know, even when I'm upset, I'm always like, okay, what's the lesson here, buddy? You know, above, what's the lesson? You know what I mean? What can what can I do? Because there will be a there will be a lesson, and um and and I use that as an example because so many people are in conflict with others. It's just such a common reason whether you're in conflict in marriage, right? Sixty percent of marriages break up. If you have a special needs child, you have an 80% chance your marriage is going to fail. Wow. 80%. Yeah. Wow. So just because of the stressors, right? So, you know, we all have stressors. It's what you do in those moments, right, that that are going to define you. So, and let me tell you, son, you're a parent. Your kids are watching you. Oh, yes. So, right? And what do we want for kids? We want our kids to be happy and healthy. That's what we want. Yes. So 
take care of yourself, tend to your garden, and, and, you know, be kind to your mind. And so it's so important. But if you think you need help, go and get help. I want to ask you something. So you mentioned yeah. the small steps that, that you could take. Uh, you, you talked about whether somebody did you wrong. And, and this could be whether it's a marriage, whether it's a boss, whether it's a coworker, uh, a classmate, whatever. You, you said you're, you're going to grieve these situations, but you don't have to live there. If, I, if I'm tuning into this and I'm finding myself right now, uh, there is a situation that I cannot get past. Some of us are worriers. We're worried if we're not worried about something. When we find ourselves locked into that thing, like you said, stuck, what are some yeah. simple things that I could do right now to begin to shift that cycle? Yeah, well, I talk a lot about something called the REPS protocol, and it started. I started using it when people were in the early part of the pandemic and they were re-entry panic syndrome, and now it's something that I share all over. I share with companies. I do it in different ways, and it's four ways to tackle stress, and it's R is respirate, breathing. We'll talk about that. Um, e is envisioning, visualizing. P is positivity and, and making positive statements out loud and to yourself and asset stress management. And so when we feel stuck, if we repeat these four steps, we can regulate our nervous system so that we can think more clearly and we can start with an action. And so what I like to do, let's say you're really stuck. Let's say let's say you had a divorce uh -huh. and you are really struggling. And, and I use that because it is very common, right? A lot of marriages fell apart during this pandemic or you're hanging on by a thread. So you're going to breathe. You're going to practice three rounds, three times a day minimum of some type of belly breath. I like to do a four, seven, eight breath. So in for four, hold for seven, out for eight. Okay. And there's a science behind that because it's putting you in that hot tub parasympathetic state. And so then we're going to combine envisioning and, and positive words. We're going to see success, whether that's a moment. Maybe you're going to see yourself not finding a new love, maybe you're going to see yourself having a good day. Wow. Maybe it's a good hour. And you're going to say out loud to yourself, I'm going to have this next hour, I'm going to be kind to myself, I'm going to um, smile, I'm going to tell a joke, <laughs> and I'm going to see myself with that smile on it. And, and you're going to say that because your brain is going to believe what you tell it. Right? right? So why not tell it what it should? And then that S is for stress management. Whether it's any of those things we talked about, prayer, yoga, breath work, neurofeedback, biofeedback, um, specific types of psychotherapy, you're regularly using something at least 10 minutes a day. It's got to be 10 minutes. 10 minutes is doable. Yeah. You want to do more than that? Great. And we've got to change that dialogue. So, so if you're feeling stuck, that's where I'm like, look, every single person on the planet can do these four steps. Yes. There's no financial barrier to these. This is all starting within you. You have to just take action. And I think that's where people get stuck is they're not sure where to start, right? So that's why I talk about these four simple steps. You know, write them down, right? You know, reps R R E P S and I love it. and put it put it in your your Google Calendar that you know every day at seven a.m. you're going to do it or four o'clock, whatever. I don't care, but do it. Yes. <laughs> and 
you know, and you can get your kids to do it with it. You can get your husband you're annoyed with to do it. Whatever it is, just <laughs> try to have a point of connection. Maybe you want to practice it before you ask somebody else to do it so that you don't feel so irritated. Right, right. right. You know, but um, that's what people can do when they feel stuck. You know, I just, I can't, I can't um, say enough about, about reps. I, I love that. I love the envisioning part. Uh, positive successes. I, I just tell you, there's something powerful about um, dreaming, dreaming yeah. just just of of and knowing what what could be and what should be. But I think oftentimes um, we don't put actual action to those dreams, and I think mm-hmm. that's the problem: is they they stay dreams. And and we never bring them to fruition because we never put action behind it. And so, yeah. um, you, you and know, what do successful people do? Successful they, people see themselves. Yes. They spend time visualizing, and there's a very there's you know I've created these steps based in science. Yeah. Like this is how we change our thinking, right? Instead of looking from to the outside to create a calmness or change within ourselves. No, you have to know that you have the tools. You have the resources. Do you sometimes need help? Of course. I mean, that's why people come to me or read my book or join. This is what happens, you know, and we should never feel ashamed. Some people come to me and they're like, Roseanne, I've done everything you've said I can do on my own and I still need to come to you. Okay, well, that's great. Let's do these things. You know what I mean? There's no shame in that. You know, we get stuck and there might be a clinical reason why or a medical reason. So, you know. That's, that's important for people to see themselves getting better and then take the steps around it. Yes, I love that because um, dreams without uh, deadlines or goals is just a delusion. Other than that, uh, we have to we have to really put some action steps into it. And I just want to say I've really appreciated uh, um, your time. I, I could sit here. Uh, you you are an awesome person. I could sit here and talk about this uh, um, all day, but out of respect for your time and our, and our listeners, um, how can they find out more about you, Dr. Roseanne, if they're interested in mental health or interested in getting in touch with you or just want to connect with your stuff? How can they yeah. find you? Well, you can find me, Dr. Roseanne, pretty much anywhere, and it's D-R-R. O-S-E-A-N-N, no E at the end, um, and that's dot .com. You can find me on TikTok, YouTube, Instagram, uh, Facebook, it's Dr. Roseanne Kapana-Hodge, but all my stuff's on my website, so if you go to drroseanne.com. But this has been an awesome conversation. Yes. I love talking. I don't get enough chance to talk about faith and mental health. Right, so right. I love to have this conversation because... This is something that is so important, and and spirituality um, is such a lifter, you know? Yes, yes. So so thanks for having this conversation. Absolutely, and thank you. And I just want our listeners to catch something she just blew by. We have Dr. Roseanne on TikTok, okay? So (laughs) that is awesome, okay? And so. I I love that, okay? And so we will be sure to. to connect with you, Doctor. And so, again, if you will just hold on for just one second. Yep. As for our listeners, we will see you in the next couple of days. <laughs>